My name is Tiffany Owens, and today I have the pleasure to interview my friend and artist Alyssa Coffin about her new book, Remergence. When you are open to the beauty and the brokenness of what you discover in the internal landscape, like that, that authenticity is what is going to allow you to be your truest self in the mm -hmm. external world. Um, but you have to, you have to start there um, and reconcile with that and, and draw out of that place. So just to get things started, so you've spent the past year or so on the road. Can you tell me about where you're at now? Yes, I'm currently in Chicago at the tail end of um, the last three months traveling and doing residencies and writing and staying with various friends. Um, and it's been a very productive time. So I'm very grateful um, for all the different experiences I've had. But now I'm going back to Knoxville, Tennessee. How has um, doing work on the road, what has that been like for you? I really value traveling because I get to explore new places, new landscapes. All those photographs were actually made in Ireland during a one-month residency. And so, so much of what I do um, that started there is respond to the place that I'm in. Um, obviously, a month is not nearly long enough to really immerse yourself in, in kind of the narratives embedded in a landscape, but um, to just kind of have these spontaneous um, responses to where I'm, where I'm at and um, just the different natural elements and um, materials that I wouldn't normally encounter in other places has been really incredible. I want to ask you so much about the relationship between art and travel, but I am glad you brought up the book. So let's talk about the book. Um, congratulations. I know this is a big accomplishment. How long were you working on this book? Thank you. Um, two years, which was not the plan at all, but um, it was a huge learning curve since this was my first time doing a project like this. Um, I really did not know what I was getting myself into. So the Tree Sculptures series was made in the spring of 2017. And then in September is when I went to Ireland and made the photographs. And I had never made work like that before. And so I was too scared to even look at all the footage I had collected for like several months. I just was like, I have no idea what I just made, if it's, um, if it's real art, if it's successful in any way. And so I just avoided it for a while. And then I was forced to start pulling stuff out and pairing it with these tree sculptures that I had made um, in order to apply for residency programs. And I was, you know, composing portfolios. And as I was putting these portfolios together, I was making all these connections um, just in how I was arranging them for these portfolios, realizing like, oh, my, my hair looks like the roots in this tree sculpture. And um, so I started getting really excited about the, the visual connections and then um, I started doing some writing about the work I had made and realized that there were conceptual connections as well. And so I can't remember exactly like at what point I was like, oh, yeah, this needs to be a book. Um, but I think I just was getting yeah, really excited and inspired by these connections. Um, and so kind of the way I have always worked is that I process what I've made uh, and what it means through writing. Um, that's kind of the way it solidifies in my v mind and um, the way I'm able to draw out narratives and themes that I 
probably was unconsciously drawing from, but didn't, don't realize in, until um, the aftermath of kind of reflecting in this way. Um, so I think my my goal was really to just write a little, I, I call the poems more like poetic statements because they really are just trying to like, give my viewer an access point into the thematic narrative that I was going after. And so I just knew I wanted, I wanted those even just for labels um, in, a, in a gallery exhibition for people to be able to read along with the piece. Um, and so I started writing those and um, just accumulating all this content. Um, and then finally I got, you know, to the InDesign phase and got really into arranging these spreads. Um, and so then the, the format of the book became as much um, a piece of artwork as the, the content of the images. Um, you know, because it's all about the landscape, I know I knew I really wanted um, that long, narrow, um, horizontal format um, that was really important to how the work was being viewed and, and those crossover layouts. Um, I was fiercely committed to those um, and it was really tested um, when I found out that the dimensions I had designed the book in um, are not compatible with most presses and uh, a lot of printers I, I was calling uh, told me they couldn't print those dimensions. Um, or if they could, it would be like an exorbitant amount of money. Um, so the reason it ended up taking two years uh, in large part is because I was committed to <laughs> the format that I had designed it in. Um, and so I spent a lot of time hunting for a printer that could do what I wanted. And then also uh, the other big deterrent was um, my laptop kind of crashed and then I realized that all my editing software was obsolete. Um, and so it was a process of um, getting a new laptop and then um, realizing I can't afford the cloud for all my, <laughs> um, all the editing software and basically being like, well, I don't have the tools to be able to finish this project. Um, and so it's really thanks to Aramont School of Arts and Crafts in Tennessee, where I was doing my residency, that they were able to provide me with the software to finish the book. So that was a lot. But Well, I think <laughs> the phrase labor of love is an understatement. <laughs> it is so inspiring to hear the backstory behind the book. I actually didn't know, I didn't know most of those details that you shared. Oh yeah. Um, and I think it's also very encouraging because I think uh, so many people might look at artistic projects or um, the finished result of a creative endeavor or an artistic endeavor and assume that so much about it was premeditated or that it was something that the artist had envisioned perfectly from day mm -hmm. one. And it was just a matter of putting it all together exactly how they saw it in their head. But it sounds like what you're getting at is the reality that oftentimes pursuing creative work or even as a professional artist or just as a non-professional creative person um, can often just be this journey, this like organic journey uh, where you make commitments and you have a vision and you pursue it and you go through these obstacles 
until you finally have this beautiful end result that was probably more rewarding than what you even could have envisioned in the first place. Yeah, that's so true. And the other thing that people probably don't realize is how many times I combed through that InDesign document and made the tiniest little shifts. And, you know, it would have been funny if I had recorded how many times I I went through it and made changes. Um, And, like, there's so many drafts and, um, you know, but there is there's so much to the subtlety of of a design and of a layout of images that changes how you're how they're interacting with each other and how they're interacting with how the viewer is viewing them um and so that was the exciting part for me is just how it became this whole other art form that I could just keep playing with and keep pushing to be better and better tell me about the title um, did the title come before the book or did the title come after you saw everything together? Um, it definitely came after, um, I, you know, I was still in the editing phase. Um, I, I don't remember exactly when it took form, um, but I, I love making up words and obviously it doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> sound like a made, made up word. It sounds like it doesn't, but I, I, I remember looking at it and looking at it and looking at it and my inner spell check was like, <laughs> that's not spelt right. <laughs> I'm thinking re-emergence. Um, so when I loved reading what you meant by that, I'm just going to read it. You write, this process of recreation was one of re-emergence, bringing the soul back into the body and body back into the natural world. To merge again is to rejoin that which was intended to be as one. Uh, I'd love for you just to explore that a little bit more because I do think there is an inclination. Perhaps people might see the word and instantly jump to re-emergence. Right. So can you flesh out your thought process behind this created word and kind of the idea that you were hoping to get across? Yeah. um, Well, probably it would be helpful to give some backstory um, of what was happening during that time in Ireland when I was making this work, because that's kind of where it all came from. So when I went to Ireland, I kind of put this challenge to myself to reverse my creative process. Previously, I had been someone that can get very stuck in my head with like a pre-envisioned idea of a piece and then it's this it was this very frustrating anxiety producing process to translate what I saw in my head to material reality Um, and so I went through a period of not enjoying making art and I really questioned whether I should be an artist if I wasn't enjoying it Um, and you know obviously perfectionism is a big part of what was paralyzing me and so there was just yeah, so much fear and anxiety tied up in my creative process. And so when I went to Ireland, I, because I had to take a plane, I was only able to bring a few few tools, um, one being my camera. And I packed this black dress. Um, and not with any particular plan. I thought maybe it'd be handy to have a, a black dress. So I was like, well... I can't make tree sculptures, you know, that was the last series I had made, and so I was, at first was feeling like, oh, like, why would I go do a residency if I can't make what has become my work, you know? Um, But then I was like, well, maybe it would be a needed challenge for me to uh, have this kind of limited um, tool belt um, and kind of be forced to 
to make with what's around me, what I was encountering. And I was also at this threshold of feeling like I had all these different artistic disciplines that I love to do and feeling pulled in a million different directions and feeling like I needed to just pick one and be a master of one. Um, but kind of refusing to do that because it felt dishonest to who I was and all these affinities I had. And so it really was coming out of this place of like, I need to, to remerge myself in, mm. in all these things that I feel like are an important part of my identity and the things I feel passionate about. But they felt like they were all just kind of scattered and, um, mm dividing me and and so I I was kind of this going in with this question of like can they all connect and compound and converge into one thing um and so it was kind of like um yeah putting my my life calling and my identity to the test in this challenge of like okay if I just go on a walk every day with my camera and this black dress maybe one tool and one material. Um, a lot of times I didn't even have that and I would just kind of let my curiosity lead me. And, um, then when something caught my eye, instead of just grabbing my camera and, or my iPhone and taking pictures, I would force myself to kind of just be present, um, and notice why I was drawn to that particular part of the landscape or a particular natural material. Um, and just really tap into my senses and engage with it and try to understand what was resonating with me. And then I would decide how I wanted to interact with it. And so sometimes that was something uh, really simple, as you can see, um, like just walking across a tree um, and, and taking a particular posture um, or, you know, trying to stand on this rock in 30 mile per hour winds. And then other times it was taking the time to, um, you know, cut all these briars and um, form them into this giant thorn crown um, and, you know, pricking my fingers and, you know, my fingers bleeding because uh, I forget if I had gloves and I just, I think, you know, what? I think I had gloves with me and I didn't wear them because I wanted to feel the material. And that's what became so much a part of it for me was like having this really intimate tactile engagement with the natural material. brought me to this place of profound embodiment, having these intense physical experiences that I realized um, was so important for my, my survival um, and just wanting to continue to be an artist. Like it really just, it brought me back into this joy of making, kind of reversing this process of letting reality guide me and making things intuitively and then um, putting meaning to them afterwards and kind of letting the spirit um, imbue them with meaning and not forcing that and not needing it to be a particular, um, have a particular result or um, live up to a particular vision. So for 
me, yeah, it was this reemergence of of tapping into that intuitive spirit and my body, and and then obviously, you know, my mind and the technical and the technical aspects that it takes to make a piece. Um, and so, in in the aftermath of of you know thinking about these images and what I was um, unconsciously doing during that time. Um, was yeah, it was remerging mind, body, and spirit. As someone that believes in a triune God, um, the spirit and and the body are are so integral to being made an image of that triune God, um, and if we are not engaging and developing those equally along with the mind um, then we're, we're missing out on two-thirds of what it means to be to be human um, and and I can say this with conviction because like I felt like engaging in that way and the, the way I did when I was making that work in Ireland like brought me back to life after having undergone some some really traumatic losses in my life It sounds like for you that process of reintegration re- or uh, reemergence of the mind, body, and soul takes place in nature, which I think is so beautiful. Um, and I think there's so much to pay attention to there. Um, the idea of part of the struggle of being human is this struggle against fracture, against feeling fractured, against, I mean, your, your, your everyday experience in modern life really is siloed right you have most of your day goes to work that's Mm -hmm. a specific category of existence and then some of your time goes to leisure and increasingly we're forgetting to invest time in reflection right so I think so much of the way modern life is organized really does bring you to a place of feeling like there's so many versions of you that exist at one time but they're really not integrated um Mm -hmm. So it's really beautiful to hear your story and like your journey of what it was like for you to figure out how to remerge not just your artistic pursuits and your artistic visions, but your fundamental sense of self. Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful way to put it. Thank you. I also love uh, the, how you just relied so much on curiosity and intuition. I, I was going to ask you if you had pre-designed or pre-meditated the poses or the pieces behind the photos and it's so encouraging to hear that you didn't Mm -hmm. that they were just a spontaneous intuitive reaction to the landscape and to the environment and I just think there's so much to reflect on there um about how we go through life you know some most people won't be able to take a month to take long walks through Ireland but I think Mm -hmm. the you know, what you can export from that really is a rediscovered appreciation for slowing down and taking time to really notice your environment um, and then engaging with it organically without putting pressure on yourself to have a certain kind of result. Yeah, exactly. No, I think it it really is possible to do in everyday life. And I think 
that's kind of where I'm at now is like, okay, how do I even just, you know, starting with myself, how do I incorporate this into my everyday life? And then how do I um, help other people access that sort of playful curiosity and engagement with their environment? Um, I'm going to read one of the descriptions as you, I can't remember what you called it earlier, but I, I call it a poetic statement, I think, is what you refer to it yes. as. Mm-hmm. Um, you write, everything is creating you. Gather paradox into your form. Weigh oppositions tenderly. That is just full of so much grace. I think mm-hmm. especially for creative minds because we genuinely, I think many of us really do struggle with guilt and struggle with wanting to fit our process and our imagination into a linear or into an explainable <laughs> or into a respectable format so everyone can digest it. And I think what's so refreshing about so much of what you put in this book is the invitation to be at peace with paradox and to be at peace with process and to be mm. at peace with um, the fact that this process of integration and this process of reemergence won't fit into those categories all the time or maybe never. Yeah. Yeah. um, I think that also is um, a good reminder of what this whole project kind of how it is in my mind in that um, it's I'm very aware that it's um, there's a lot. (laughs) There's a lot there. There's a lot of ideas in it. There's a lot of, like you said, all these different um, disciplines and mediums that I'm drawing from and you know it's not super polished it's not super focused Um, it's work that's now two years old you know and so I have a lot of insecurities about different aspects of it because of that Um, and so it's also been this journey of giving myself grace that this is a process that this is my first book project that this was Um, a way for me to learn um, that this was a way for me to fully engage with this work that I made and be honest about that time in my life Um, and yeah and kind of just allow it to be what it is Um, and as I've been traveling around these last three months and showing it to people and and shipping it to people who purchased it um, it's just been really encouraging how positively people are responding to it and just me increasingly being able to give myself grace for the the parts of it that feel like it aren't what I want it to be. Well, I think there's also some magic in that because I think that's at the heart of truly being creative and being artistic is this wonderful cycle of being broken or being overcome by fear and insecurity or being unsure and still choosing to go out and take those walks every day with just your black dress and your camera and Mm -hmm. still create something, right? 
and and, right. and you're not and it doesn't sound like you were walking around with the pressure to create your you were just more like engaging through, with the with the landscape with the environment right. with yourself and then you know then at several months later you realize you start engaging with that work again and then two years later it's in this book and now it's being shipped to people all over the country and it's speaking to them mm-hmm. which is the cycle of and in some ways, it's like the cycle of life and death. Like you go through death and creative, I'm sure, angst and insecurity. But out of all of that labor and all of that dying in a way, not only are you remerged and, ha- you know, you come you come out of this with a new kind of life, I guess you could mm, say. Yeah. But it also brings other people to life, yeah. um, which is, I think, such an incredible thing to remember about what it means to be creative, what it means to be an artist is it really is it really is life-giving yeah thank you that was beautiful yeah and that's the other thing I have to remember is like um you know when the work comes out of this intuitive place and it, it was inspired by a transcendent um force like I I can't claim it you know it has a life outside of mm-hmm. me it has a life beyond me and um I have to to release it to impact people in whatever way it, it might and yeah and and just and trust that as you say it, it really is speaking to people and giving them life I opened it to prep <laughs> yeah I opened it to prep for this interview and I just it just felt that, like the book just feels so living like it really mm-hmm. does feel so alive um not in a way to liken it to like scripture or anything like that but um I don't know if that makes sense <laughs> But every time I've opened mm. your book, there's just something else. Wow. It's living in the sense that it starts a dialogue. It doesn't end one. Yeah. Um, and it seems to resonate with realities of existence that are, are true. And I think when you create something from a place of intuition and courage and pushing through fear, um, you will create something that can speak for, for years because it's speaking from a place of truth and it's speaking to the truth of what human beings are going through on a daily basis um yeah that's certainly my hope so tell me about um you ha- there, there is a theme in the book. There are several themes in the book. One of them is definitely this tension between life and death. Can you explore? Can you explore that a little bit? Uh, it's, I guess, as I was taking in this book over multiple times. Um, there's, it, there's just this language. Some of the imagery seems to point to the reality of death without it being dreadful. For instance, I'll read one. A slow slipping into the new air, peak peeling slit, that last yawning stretch to excavate the end, the light got in. Hmm. And that is accompanied with one of your tree sculptures called No Return. Yeah, so I, um, I was going to Ireland um, kind of with some weighted memories that I knew I was going to encounter there. Um, and it was in 2015 that I lost my brother. Um, and I 
I've been really struggling with what honest grief looked like for me. Um, and I had made some artwork um, out of this place of loss, um, I think in 2016, um, but I didn't really feel like a whole lot um, came from it. And so I I really just was in this place in my life where, um, you know, I was thinking a lot about death and thinking a lot about what grieving meant and why is our culture so uncomfortable talking about death. And so I think um, more more subconsciously, I guess, I, I don't think I was solely aware of this, but I was looking for my own uh, way of grieving. And in retrospect, I, I think what I ended up doing um, was enact my grief and enact this narrative of death that I was trying to um, reconcile inside of myself and to understand and to move through in an honest way. And so the black dress really, you know, it represented a funeral dress. Our culture has become so sterile and disembodied when it comes to um, experiencing emotion and in reacting to a death. And um, and I, I just found so much value in the spiritual way to, to engage with that. And... Um, so, but at the same time, uh, I think in that process um, of, of enacting the narrative of death, I was being resurrected in a way. I was realizing just how much the narrative of the cycle of life and death um, of resurrection is embedded in nature um, and that you can't engage death without also engaging life um, that the two ends meet um, and if you recall the line that says I attend my birth in black um, and so it's this idea that you know there's they're really a birth and a death are really the I like bookends um, to one continuous cycle and so really they they touch each other um, to complete that circle it's been interesting actually to like see how people are reading the book now that it's all together and and see the the light that is coming through for people. Um, one person said that they saw the difference in it between um, sadness and despair, and you know that I'm not despairing. I'm not spiraling down into this place of no return, um, but that I'm moving through an honest grief.
I think the thing that's so beautiful about it is that you use language of agency. Yeah. For you use these really strong verbs. Level your absences into windows. Practice body against the fall. Choke vines with fisted strength back to the source. Attend your birth in black. And then on the next page, wreck path into reckoning. You are other unnaming other. There's just so much. um, I think there's such a delicate balance between grief, but also you seem to be also reminding the viewer that they play a role here, that redemption, resurrection, and choosing life is an it's a factor of how we use our agency. It's a, it's a matter of what we choose to see. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting um, that I end up using the imperative, you know, that there's, I think almost all of them are commands in that way. They are like you pointed out. And um, I didn't even realize that until one of the friends I had edit the book pointed that out to me and was like, is this really what you want to do? And at first I felt insecure about it. And then I thought about it. I was like, yes, I think that that was actually a really important part of what I was doing is like, yeah, turning it back on my viewer and, and pointing out their agency, like you said, and being like, yeah, how are you, how are you going to participate in this? Like putting the challenge to them, um, to kind of participate with me in these actions. I love it. I'm a big fan in case you can't tell. I just think it's so beautiful. I think it's so beautiful to remember that carving out hope and carving out renewal and carving out redemption and life for anyone going through grief or for anyone struggling with like seasons of darkness is a strange balance between the spirit, as we would say, or the seasons of life, but also like our own agency and our own decisions. Um, and yeah. how we choose how we choose to see things. I think one of the lines that you know has been has been often celebrated is question every wall into a window. I mean, what other line can possibly get across the idea of engage courageously with the darkness and you don't know, maybe you make it porous. You could make it porous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, that's another element that I forgot to touch on is just how all of us are acting as creators. It's this tension between that line that says everything is creating you Mm -hmm. and then also you are creating everything, I would say, you know, and Mm -hmm. how are you going to be aware of, yeah, how things are molding you and how you are molding the world around you. And that's actually the tension that I was playing with um, in the series with the hand and the wire, it was mm-hmm. a very thick wire. And so, and it already had a particular shape to it when I picked it up off the ground. And, um, and so as I was moving my hand, 
it was kind of forcing my hand into these contortions. But at the same time, obviously, my hand is stronger than the wire. And so I was able to use the muscles of my hand to form it. Um, but there was kind of always this, this question of, you know, which direction that was going in any given movement. Um, and I think that's exactly um, what we're engaging with on a, on a daily basis. We have about 15 more minutes. Okay. Um, so I want to ask you, I want to go back to the, one of the most fundamental aspects of your work, not just in this book, but in base in, in all of your work. Cause I've been fortunate to see more of your work outside of this. Talk to me about landscape, not just in the external sense, but also in the internal sense. Yes. And I would love for you to just explore that a little bit. How do you cultivate that attention to both external landscape, but also inner landscape? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I think kind of as we um, become more, like as we slow down and become more aware of our environment and engage with it in the sensory way, um, I think that that sort of embodiment and, and, and coming into self and this external way um, is what also helps create the space and the silence to be able to engage with this internal world. Um, and so I think that's exactly what was happening for me as, um, yeah, I was accessing this internal place through engaging with the external landscape. And I was seeing these parallels um, and, and I think um, when you have the presence of mind um, and the kind of the silence within yourself um, to, to engage with what's there, um, yeah, you know, you're going to find, you're going to find dark forests and maybe there's some dark abyss that, that seems scary or daunting to explore, but you're also going to find um, pockets of bright sunlight. And I think um, even just thinking about how we relate to each other, I think it's maybe more just a willingness to kind of like I'm suggesting we do with the external landscape is to be an explorer, to be curious about one another, um, to ask questions of people um, and to not assume you, you understand their landscape or to not assert this need to to change it or to control it um that you know the the dark depths of an ocean are maybe scary but they're also beautiful and true and um you know sometimes there's clouds and those are honest and uh, a gray day can be beautiful too an adventure in that way of, of really wanting to see with clear eyes what is there. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think I, I said in my intro, like it, when you are open to the beauty and the brokenness of what you discover in the internal landscape, like that 
that authenticity is what is going to allow you to be your truest self in the mm-hmm. external world. Um, but you have to you have to start there um, and reconcile with that and and draw out of that place. Absolutely. And I think that is so critical to the idea of being an artist, but also just being a integrated and fully present human being is cultivating that courage to adventure inwards um, and to see what's there without feeling the need to dominate or reorganize or change what you find. So a fun question for, to wrap things up, what was it like opening the box? What was it like seeing this all done? (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, So incredible. Also nerve wracking because um, I hadn't seen the bound proof. And so I had no guarantee that it was going to feel like, okay, yes, this is the one. Because I had received a a previous proof from a different printer and was so devastated by the result, you know. And so I was kind of waiting for, like, that feeling of knowing, like, yes, this is what I fought for, you know. Um, So I, uh, you know, I I had this moment of silence right before, you know, brought it up to my room. And, um, and, uh, and then, yeah, I, I was, I was pretty pleased. I mean, the cover, I could just stroke the cover forever and then be (laughs) (laughs) I love it well to wrap things up I'm going to read one final poetic description you are a pinpoint now and now and now movement holds you through the fault lines slice sliver and fall until you are unlinear holding space for unseen infinities Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this interview. To learn more about Alyssa, you can visit her website at www.alyssacoffinart.com. Music credit for this podcast goes to Purple Planet, free royalty music, which I found at purple-planet.com. I also found music at Royalty Free Music from MuseOpen at museopen.org. I'm Tiffany Owens, and if you want to reach out and say hello, you can do so at tgrace.owens at gmail.com. <laughs>